Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. Roger, we are in the month of June, back half of it, but we have been spending June with James. There are five Fridays in the month of June, five chapters in the New Testament book of James, and so Friday number one, we were in chapter number one. That episode is freely available at charlestownroad.org and in the Heaven Bound podcast feed. Chapter one, we looked at the spirit of God's disciple, what it means to be a child of God and live like that. Second Friday of the month, we talked about faith in action. Faith without works is dead. And so not just talking a talk, but actually walking the walk, which led us to last Friday, chapter three, the importance of being careful what we say and how we say it. Not hard to guess where we are today. In fact, you might pause this episode, read James chapter four, Come back, hit the play button. We would love just to spend some time in the fourth chapter of this powerful New Testament book. Absolutely. A lot of us are real familiar with how this chapter ends, but the chapter begins with really James coming out and saying some harsh things to the brethren there. It seems that they had to mix allegiance between God and the world, and it was causing all kinds of difficulties. And James goes through and just identifies several aspects of why things weren't the way they should have been. And then within these verses, he's going to show us the solution. James just doesn't say, you're a mess, and I leave it to yourself to figure it out. He gives us the answers to the problems. So the chapter begins by saying, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? That right there is is a troubling statement. You know, God's people are supposed to be the peacemakers, what Jesus said in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And God's people are supposed to be gentle and kind to each other. But but here that wasn't the situation. The verse continues, it says, What is the source of your quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And so in these opening verses here, we see a lot of negatives. You do not have, and and the, and the fighting and the quarreling is going on there among that. It, it's not a situation that we would like in the home. It's not a situation we'd like in the congregation. And so when we get to verse 4, he says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself as an enemy of God. That, I believe, is a driving thought running through this. This really trickles back to some of the earlier things he said about the tongue and their faith and their attitude, is that your allegiance must be with God 100%. You can't be just a Sunday morning Christian. 
Christian. You can't be just a Christian once in a while. When I'm on vacation, I'm not a Christian. When I'm out of town, I'm not a Christian. That doesn't work. And James is illustrating why it's not working. Your life is not the way you think it should be. Things are not the way they ought to be. And the reason is you've got one foot in the world and one foot in God, and that never works. Yeah, it might be easy for someone to hear one foot in the world, one foot in God, and to wonder, well, does that really make that big of a difference? And I think James chapter 4, verse 5, helps us to get to the heart of the matter by opening up the heart of God to us. James asks, James 4, verse 5, do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. You are more than a body. You have a spirit, a spirit that was made by God, a spirit that was made to dwell in you by God, a spirit that will return to God once you're fleshly body has given out and run its course and is is left behind here on the earth. And this God who gave you that spirit, this God to whom your spirit is going to return, listen to the language that he uses there. He yearns jealously over that spirit. Maybe the closest human relationship we can think of that would help us understand that language is marriage. Uh, Roger, you would be very disturbed to hear uh, a brother in Christ come sit in your office and, and readily confess, well, I have one foot in my marriage and one foot in doing with whomever I want, whatever it is that I want. Uh, you would, I mean, that that would just scream inside of you. You can't have one foot in marriage and one foot out. Your wife has every right to yearn jealously over that relationship. Well, that's exactly the language James is using to describe our allegiance to God. We sometimes hear that phrase, total commitment, but but that's really a misnomer. We either you're committed or you're not. There, there's no half commitment. I'm partly committed. I'm, I'm committed only on the even days of the month. No, no, no. Either you're all in or you're not in. And and so that's what James is, is trying to get the people to see here. And that was a problem. They weren't all in. And that that phrase in verse four, you adulteresses. I don't think James is talking about sexual sins there, as he's talking about uh, when you become a Christian, you're married to God, but now you're flirting with someone else. Now you're not committed to God. And so as we think about back in the Old Testament, the book of Hosea and other books where the prophets would bring out how Israel was unfaithful to God, that's what James is driving at here, that they are unfaithful to him. And as a result, Look at your lives. You're fighting. You're quarreling. You pray, but nothing happens because you're praying with the wrong motives. You're praying for the wrong things. And you may think, well, the problem's with God, but the problem is you're simply not committed. Yeah, yeah. That verse 1, the English Standard Version renders that your your passions are at war within you. And I think how powerful to connect this to verses 4 and 5 of James chapter 4, that total allegiance with God 
helps me put those passions at peace, right? Because uh, like Joseph, all the way back in in Genesis, I realize, okay, if I give in to these passions, I'm not only sinning with someone else, I am sinning against God. And so total allegiance to God helps me put those passions at peace. Total allegiance to God gets my desires ordered rightly. It, it, it helps me deal with, well, I would like to have this and I don't have it, but that's okay because I have God and that is what matters most. I, I think if like you have pointed us in this direction, if we'll get that total allegiance at the forefront and the center of everything else, these passions, desires, uh, these wants, these cravings come to be put in the order that they ought to be. So then verse 6, James quotes from the book of Isaiah, and it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I think that's just a, a fastball right down the middle to where these people were at. And I think their their arrogance and their their pride had kept them from realizing that, you know what, we're, we're not right with God, and we have one foot in the world. And so so then starting in verse 7, 8, and 9, and 10, James just gives just point after point about what needs to be done. He begins in verse 7, submit, therefore, to God. Uh, what does that mean, Jason, to submit? Yeah, well, I would suggest it is God has told us for three-plus chapters now what we ought to do, who we ought to be, and now to submit it, submit to him, is to apply what we have been hearing all along. You know, he, he didn't start in James chapter 1, verse 1 with submit to God. He could have done that. But he has built the case. He has shown us a variety of practical areas of application. And now he is calling us to recognize God knows better than you do. It's time to practice what he's been telling you all along. That's, that's it. And, and, and the idea of submission, you know, we, we often think it's only used of husbands and wives and that, and that concept of um, Ephesians 5. But it's used throughout the scriptures in a lot of different relationships. It's to bend the will. And it means I'm going to do what God wants me to do. The verse continues, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, dig your heels in and say no to the devil. The devil's really a coward and he's going to run is what he says. And so, so how we get through these issues, how do we get back where we need to be with God? You do what God says, you fight the devil. Then he says in verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 9, tough words. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. That's not the words our culture wants to hear. They want to hear that everybody's okay, everybody's having a great time, everything's fine. James letting his people know, no, things aren't that way. And there's a time to be serious and sober about where we are. There's time to recognize that we need to make some adjustments. We're headed to a dead end here, and it's not going to be a good ending unless we turn this vehicle around toward God. You know, it is interesting and ironic that here we are spending June with James, and in our culture, in the United States of America, June for the last several years has been nicknamed 
Pride Month, right? Where even a couple of weeks ago we had uh, on the uh, the pillars of the White House uh, a giant rainbow flag and the the lawn outside of the White House dedicated to you just be you. You love whoever you want to love and you be proud of living whatever way you want to live. That That is unmistakably the language uh, that we see all around us. I was in our neighborhood grocery store just a couple of days ago across the street from the church building and right there in the grocery store are pillows and sheets and shower curtains and all sorts of things with pride written in rainbow colors. Well, that may be the the, the heartbeat of our culture in June. But for 2,000 years, right here, God opposes the proud. We've got to choose where our allegiance lies. And clearly, Roger, you've pointed out the, the danger of mixed allegiance. James has pointed that out. As disciples of Jesus, it is not a mystery where we need to land on this. It is simply a matter of you brought up the the devil is a coward. We can't afford to be cowards on this. Front. Absolutely. And so this section ends in verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. And so, uh, you know, submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, be miserable, humble yourselves, just action points in which James is showing us this is how you get your allegiance straightened out. This is how you get your priorities straightened out. It's not about you. It's not about you getting the trophy. You stand at the top of the pinnacle. It's all about me. Look what I have done. It's about God. And when we get this order in order, it changes everything. And so the reason why, as this chapter began, you're having quarrels and conflicts, the reason why you're miserable, all these things are taking place is you've forgotten God and you've gotten God out of order. And God may be something on your list, and you may love God, but he's not number one anymore. He may be three, four, or five. And what James is telling us is he's got to be back up to number one. And until that happens, life will continue the way it is, and it's not going the right way. All right, so last section of James chapter 4, he pivots in verse 11. Don't speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, (laughs) Roger, I just highlighted uh, the pitfalls of celebrating June as Pride Month. Let me ask you, have I been guilty then of judging my neighbor the way that James is warning me about. No, no, you're not. And, and of course, uh, a lot of people love to run to Matthew 7. And as we said, the book of James and the gospel of Jesus, uh, especially in the book of Matthew, parallel each other very, very closely. And in Matthew 7, verse 1, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. And a lot of people think that's the only verse in the Bible. And <laughs> they can judge you for judging, but you can't say anything against them. Now, what James is, again, driving at is, is this selfish ambition we've read about above in chapter 3 and some of this 
arrogance that they have, and they're not following the heart of God. When we point out something that is wrong from the Bible, it's not us who's making that judgment, it's God. And God makes a declaration. God determines what's right. God determines what's wrong. When we stand with God, those declarations have been made. And so James is is driving at this idea of just putting people down, putting your brethren down, and your motives and your ambition is not godly. It's because it's yourself that you want to be at the top. Yeah, this last section here, come now. Uh, when I hear that, I I think of maybe like a parent uh, who has allowed children to do whatever they want to do for a little while, but you kind of clap your hands and say, okay, all right, time to focus. And that that seems to be uh, the, the, the air, the atmosphere of this last paragraph. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade. And make a profit. We understand what it is to have plans and say, you know, I'm looking forward to doing this, this. Tomorrow I'm going to be here. Next week I'm going to be there. Roger, what? What is James's point in these last few verses of the chapter? Well, you know, let's skip 14 and go to verse 15, where, or excuse me, it is in verse 14 where he says, "Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow." See, to make those plans and to make them poured in concrete, tomorrow I'm going to do this, next year I'm going to do this, that's based on the assumption I'm alive. That's based on the assumption Jesus hasn't come back. That's based on the assumption that I know what's going to happen. And what James says is, you don't know what's happened. You're not the one who's sitting on the throne. And and so to make those plans without the idea of God speaks of arrogance. He says in verse 16, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. You do not know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, or the next year. And so James helps us by saying in verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this and do that. And so that, that brings God back into this picture. I, I plan to take a vacation if God allows. I plan to do this next year if God allows. If God allows, it brings God into this. It recognizes that God still is in charge and not us. And so running through a lot of these verses in chapter 4 is arrogance. And it has led these people to a place where they've gotten away from God. Makes me think of Jesus' ultimate expression of submission in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus clearly had a will. And yet, what did he do? He submitted that will to the Father. And that is exactly what James is calling us to do. We may not be able to dampen the the sinful pride of others. We most certainly are called to put a rein on our own human pride, right? And submit ourselves to God. But I, I love how you highlighted, if the Lord wills, the Lord has a will. And it sure does seem like James chapter 4, the heartbeat of it all is submitting my will to his will. Absolutely. And and so running through this and running through the subject of prayer is not getting what I want, 
but it's getting God's will into my life. And when we do that, it makes all the difference. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for all, to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope our simple discussion has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Lord willing, we'll wrap up this little series next Friday, fifth Friday of June, James chapter five. In the meantime, always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.